Good morning. Today is Sunday, November 21st, 2021. At some point, we all experience loss, trauma, and we grieve. Loss takes many forms with common elements, loss of life, God forbid, loss of a job, loss of a relationship. Though each of us experiences it differently and reacts to it differently. In our Parsha, Yaakov goes through terrible loss and there is much to learn to apply to our lives. So there is this enmity, this animosity between Yosef and the rest of the brothers. And they plot against him. First, they were actually going to kill him. And then they decide to sell him into slavery. But they are going to tell this story to their father, Yaakov, to explain where he is. And they actually do it in quite a subtle way. They take the garment that was unique to Yosef, this Sones Pasim, this garment of many colors that Yaakov had given to his favorite son, part of the enmity and jealousy. They take the garment and they dip it into the blood of an animal. And they bring the garment to their father. They actually do not say anything recorded in the Torah. They simply bring the garment and they say to their father, do you recognize, is this Yosef's garment? Which, of course, it's obvious that it is. Part of the narrative is that Yaakov had given Yosef this unique, colorful garment. And it is Yaakov who comes to the conclusion, Vayakira, Yaakov recognizes the garment, Vayomer, he says, Ksonas Bini, Chaya Achalasu, Tarof, Toref, Yosef, it must be that a wild animal has killed my son Yosef. It's Yaakov, that is, the sons by their action lead him to this conclusion, but it is Yaakov that verbalizes this conclusion. By Yikra Yaakov Simlosov, Yaakov tore his garments. This is the first time we see what later becomes a practice of mourning of Korea to tear a garment as a sign of mourning and grief. And Yaakov mourned for his son for many, many, many days, much longer than would be expected, than would be considered normal, in quotation marks. All of his sons and his daughters tried l'nachamo to comfort him, and he refused to be comforted, or maybe he was unable to be comforted, and he said, Now this phrase is an ambiguous phrase in terms of how we translate it. I will grieve until my death, or it might mean 
I will die from my grieving, or it might mean I will join my son in death. It's not clear exactly how to translate that phrase. And his father cried for him. Recently, I listened to an interview with a psychologist who researches and treats PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I'm very sorry that I don't remember his name, and I am not an expert in this, so what I say may be inaccurate or just completely wrong, but what he said struck me and connects to what we learn from Yaakov in this narrative. Normally, when something happens to us, our brain transfers it to our memory where it stays. But over time, the memory changes so that what we remember years later is different than what we remembered earlier and increasingly different from what actually happened originally. Memory evolves. That is natural and that is inevitable. A group of people, many people, can experience the same trauma at the same time and for most of them, it becomes a memory. It could be very painful, very traumatic, but the normal process of memory occurs and it evolves over time. What the experience is to them will evolve over time. That's normal. But for a few of them, they will develop post-traumatic stress. Now, to the best of my knowledge, we don't know who or why someone will develop this when most others don't, confronted with the exact same experience, objectively. But what happens for these few individuals is the experience is not transferred to their memory in their brain. It remains in their present. When a person experiences PTSD, it's not that they constantly remember the trauma. Rather, they are constantly experiencing it as if it is happening now in their present, regardless of how long ago the actual incident took place. And this psychologist that I was listening to demonstrated this in a fascinating way. Near the end of World War II, a long-term psychological study was begun that involved interviewing returning American soldiers. And they were asked to describe their experiences during the war, what they felt, and then... Five years later, they were interviewed again, and they were asked the same questions. And again, 
another five years later, and every five years they would be interviewed again, being asked the same questions until the early 1990s. So there is this amazing record of how memory evolves over time. And what they found is that for most of the soldiers, as time passed, their memories became less accurate. That is, the details diverged from their earlier accounts, less accurate, and generally more positive. So they, as time went on, they remembered more about the camaraderie, the heroism, the triumph, and less about the pain and the fear, not completely, but the emphasis shifted, the balance shifted. That's what happened for most of them. But for a small number of them, over the years, there was no change. Their answers remained constant because they weren't remembering. They were reliving the trauma as it was happening, as if it was happening to them now, five years later, 25 years later, it was in their present. They had PTSD. This is what happened to Yaakov. Now, our sages explain it in spiritual terms, but to use psychological terms, Yaakov did not remember what happened to his son Yosef. He relived it constantly. The normal process of memory did not or could not happen for him. It remained in his present. But what normally happens? What do we want to happen after trauma? What we want is nechama, which we usually translate as consolation. Vayakumu kalbanav v'chalbanosav lenachamo. And his sons and his daughters tried lenachamo, the same word. We usually translate that as they tried to comfort him. They tried to console him. And that is what Yaakov did not or could not do. He refused or he was unable to be consoled or comforted. But the word has a much deeper and more precise meaning that better reflects the inner process it's meant to describe. Because it is used, the same word or forms of this word, nechama, it's used elsewhere in the Torah and it clearly has a different meaning. Several examples, but just to give one example, 
which is the first time in the Torah that a form of this word is used. And it is at the end of the first Parsha, the Parsha Bereshis. And it's a difficult, fascinating, enigmatic passage. So this is very soon after God had created the world. And we know the first Parsha Bereshis has several traumatic events, disappointing events. Adam and Eve commit a sin. They are ejected from Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. The first murder takes place. Cain murders his brother Hevel. And there are other things that happen in this Parsha. And the Torah says at the very end of the first Parsha, Bayar Hashem ki adam God saw that the evil of humankind was very great in the world. Hashem ki es adam Now, that word Vayinachem is the same word, root word, as Nechama. Vayinachem Hashem, and God had Nechama, ki asa es ha'adam ba'aretz, that he created humans in the world. Clearly, it doesn't mean God was consoled or God was comforted. That, that's clearly not what it means. Vayomer Hashem, God said, I am going to destroy all of mankind, which I have created. I'm going to destroy them. That happens in the next parish of Noah, the flood, except for Noah and his family and the animals in the ark. But I'm going to destroy everyone else, God says. Because I have Nechama that I created them. So, Clearly, I mean, a number of scholars point this out, but it's obvious just from reading the words. Clearly, it does not mean God was consoled, God was comforted. It means clearly God regretted having created human beings. Now, of course, this raises a very difficult question. How is it possible to talk about regret in terms of God? Um... That's a subject for another time. But clearly what it means is God regretted having created man or better, it indicates a change in perspective. In terms of grief, when we talk about Nechama in terms of someone who has suffered a loss, what the word Nechama really means is a change in perspective. In other words, to have one's mind diverted to another aspect, another consciousness, other than pure sorrow. In other words, nechama, we use this word console or comfort, but what it really means, what we're really getting at is a process where we don't forget the loss. We don't forget having lost someone we love, God forbid. But our memory evolves so that what we remember is less of the pain and more of the beauty 
we had. The pain doesn't go away. But over time, the balance shifts. And all traditional Jewish laws and customs and practices of mourning are intended to facilitate this shift. That is Nechama. That gradually over time, the memories that the person has of that loss gradually will shift in emphasis away from pure sorrow to more of a mixture of sorrow and positive memories of the blessing of having had that person. That's Nechama. That's what we hope for. That's what we pray for. And that is what we wish to each other when we say, Hamakom yenachem eschem. God should comfort you, meaning God should facilitate within you this process. So there is for you uh, gradually at your own pace a change in perspective or a change that your mind is diverted from pure sorrow to other aspects, to other layers of consciousness of what happened. And that's what usually gradually happens each one of us at our own pace. Except for Yaakov and others suffering post-trauma for whom the process of memory is not happening, but rather a terrifying present remains. Hashem Yishmar, may God protect us from such a fate. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.